It's Saturday 15th June and Glasgow Roller Derby's Maiden Girders are playing Newcastle Roller Girls' Canny Belters. Players by the names of Fighting Torque, Haber Bashery and Zoe Wannabreaker are up against Marie Bayonet, The Lone Danger and, my favourite, Big Smack and Fries. The Roller Derby revival started in the United States in the early 2000s as an all-female sport and soon spread to Europe. Its popularity has expanded further afield to include Singapore, Dubai and Egypt. The all-female aspect of the revival has given it a confidence, humour, aesthetic and culture all of its own, as well as a willingness to play with the image of women in whatever way it sees fit. Curious to see how this would affect the sport's uptake and acceptance in a country away from North America and Europe, I spoke to Nofir Titi from Egypt's Kai Rollers. First of all, can you just tell me how you got into roller derby, please? I had some friends who lived in San Francisco and it was quite big there, you know, a few years ago. And then, and then of course, Whip It, that movie came out and increased my interest. And then um, I actually, I was living in uh, Norfolk for a year here in England. And when I came, I, you know, I liked the Facebook page of the Norwich uh, Broads and thought about joining them and but then I couldn't anyway so that was kind of it was kind of building over several years four or five years where I just kind of been hearing about the sport and I used to skate as a child so that was another appeal for me yeah so then after all that when I moved back to Egypt and I randomly heard about you know met this this woman who wanted to start a league I immediately kind of latched on how did you meet her? My husband is a teacher at an international school in Cairo, and she is also a teacher there, along with, uh, so there's two co-founders who are both uh, of the Cairolers who are both American, uh, but one was living in London, so she played with the London Roller Girls, and the other was living in New Orleans, so she was playing with the Big Easy Roller Girls, and they both ended up in, in Egypt teaching at this international school, and that's how I met them through, it was a sort of a new teacher orientation session which I was attending with my husband and uh, I met them and that that was how it happened yeah and did you kind of share the same vision for what it was you wanted to create not really because actually I mean they were sort of uh, they were the creators I guess and I kind of just latched on to whatever they they were thinking they definitely led the charge I just kind of you know became one of the numbers uh, <laughs> uh, on the team uh, now it's definitely, you know, I'm much more involved. As you may know, uh, roller derby is very much a do-it-yourself thing. So we have uh, all of the founding members. Each one heads a different committee for the team. I am the head of their PR committee, and as it turns out, you know, influences a lot of things, I guess. So it, I've become much more involved in sort of the the vision and the mission for the team but initially it was it was all down to them but and they uh, you know their vision has become very much my vision because I am um, I'm Egyptian although I was raised abroad for most of my life but they were very keen to have it be as much as possible have it be a homegrown um, team effort you know so that when they leave Cairo it will continue you know sort of be embraced by um, by people locally so yeah. So, and you said there that being on the, on the the publicity committee or head of the publicity committee affects a lot of things. What sorts of things does it 
lead into? Various things like, you know, initially, because I am more comfortable in English, you know, speaking in English than, than in Arabic. So initially we were, even though we had this mission to include more Egyptian women, a, a lot of our media uh, stuff was targeted to English speaking media, which means that, I mean, and there's, you know, so there's Egyptian society is pretty stratified in the sense that you will have sort of the elite classes that have lived abroad or been to international schools. So, you know, much like myself, they will mostly deal in English media or they'll be able to, you know, whereas if we want to, you know, if we want to make it truly sustainable, we have to kind of reach out to all different aspects of Egyptian society. So one of the things that it became, you know, more and more clear that just because I was comfortable with, you know, English speaking media didn't mean that that was the right way to go. And I, you know, I really had to sort of focus my efforts more on, along with my uh, partner in the uh, PR committee, we had to sort of focus our efforts more on Arabic speaking media. So that was one thing that we kind of, any publications that we had on, on the team were again, initially in uh, English. We made much more of an effort to start translating things into Arabic so that now it's it's standard. Anything that we write up in English immediately has to be also written up in Arabic. Whereas when we started, it was kind of, oh, we'll get to that, you know. <laughs> what progress are you making with contacting and engaging with people who are Arab Arabic speakers? We recently, maybe in the last three or four months, we've had a lot more success with that. Uh, another teammate, um, she went on an, an you know Arabic-speaking Egyptian radio show, and uh, the response that we got after that was was amazing. Actually, I think it was our it was the first time that we we had been on the radio one, and then two that had been in Arabic, and the uh, the announcer was really great. Um, he was very sort of trying to explain better what, you know, Sara was speaking very technically and this is this is how you play and things like that. And he was kind of, you know, he kind of made it into a, this is something that women in Egypt can do to empower themselves and also to just as a sporting activity, because after a certain age in, in Egypt, there's sort of a drop in an athletic activity for women. Uh, growing up, you know, there are national clubs and you, you know, boys and girls will go there to play, you know, do karate, play basketball, football, swimming. And then after sort of once they hit university, it kind of drops off. Why is that? I, I think it's, you know, it's partly, uh, you know, cultural norms. There is some element of, oh, you know, you're young ladies now. You should be focusing on your studies and finding a part, you know, f f settling down and getting, you know, getting married and things like that. And, you know, what man would want uh, <laughs> a girl who <laughs> who hits and, you know, I mean, there is there is some element of that. I just I think it's it's just a bit strange, you know, I guess. You're quite an international person. Can you compare your attitudes and opinions about the sport with those that might be held by a more conservative community? Like I said, we had our first bout. This is this is relevant to the to your question, but so our first bout was on June 14th. We have some pictures on the Facebook. There's video as well, but we haven't gotten around to posting it. But uh, I have been playing since September 2012. Our bout was on June 14th. I'm 33 years old. I am married. I have been raised internationally. I told my parents that I was playing roller derby on June 10th. 
Uh, <laughs> so this is, you know, an indication of, I, they, they knew, you know, because I, um, I would sometimes, you know, spend a Thursday night at their house and we would have, you know, practice on Friday morning. So I would bring my gear and, you know, they knew that, you know, they've always obviously when I was younger, I used to skate and they used to take me and and that was no issue. But they, you know, they were just like, oh, you're going to skate again. You know, and that was that was the extent that they knew because I didn't want to tell them that, you know, and in fact, I'm <laughs> skating around a rink uh possibly hitting other women and falling and you know things like that it was it was a bit of a like a coming out for me you know I sat them down I was like listen you know I've been very stressed out the last couple of weeks uh getting ready for this bout let me explain why I've been so stressed out and this is what we do and I showed them um there's a short documentary that a group of students at the American University in Cairo made about us so I showed them that and they were like oh well you know and and the thing is growing up my my father did you know very much encourage us to get into sports and he would always play like basketball and things like that with us but it was just sort of the aggressiveness of the so even as an international person fairly you know cosmopolitan minded parents uh it was still a, a touchy subject that it took me a while to get around telling them about it. um having said that there are girls on our team who so after this radio program that our, my colleague uh, and teammates did we had about six or seven girls come and show interest and want to join the team uh including which we hadn't had until this point um but two two veiled girls uh you know i mean not fully you know but they wear a headscarf a hair scarf covering their hair uh, and they they had you know they've said is it a problem that we're veiled and we said no it's great come you know no 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 issues whatsoever and uh, they've started playing and they're very keen also to contextualize it in Egypt generally which I think actually is, is somewhat similar in some parts of the UK until you get married you basically live with your parents which is why you know we have these women who are in their twenties and maybe you know even early thirties whose parents seem to be overly involved <laughs> in the, you know, but it's just, you know, that's just the way things are. So, um, so, but then on the other hand, we have, you know, one of the new players who showed a great deal of interest and, you know, was coming to practices and things. Um, her mother was very much against her joining the team. And so she, she's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then, you know, doesn't show up to practice. And then it's just like, you know, her, her parents were very much against her going out for practice and things like that. And we've told her we'll have her mother come, you know, and watch the practice, um, ask any questions that she wants. And uh, that hasn't happened yet. So that's clearly an activity around which a lot of the tensions in that particular relationship might be crystallizing, I suppose. Yeah, and and uh, the, you know the nice thing about like our co-founders, they're this is their second. They've just finished their second year of living in Cairo. I think they've you know come to understand much more a lot of the cultural you know norms in Egypt and things. And so they were very you know they were the two most keen to sort of get uh, this girl to get her mother to come to practice and see what we do and answer any questions and sort of put her mind at ease. And we anticipate that this will probably, the more outreach we have and the more less, you know, less international players we have, you know, I, we anticipate that we'll, we'll run into this issue more and more. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you as well, um, you know, with, with things that uh, started in Tunisia a couple of years ago and then moved on to Egypt and then much further afield now. 
obviously I'm not trying to draw a link between that and roller derby. But would roller derby be perhaps another um, way of people demonstrating that they are making their own identity and getting involved in something that maybe what is, is different from what used to go on? Yeah, actually, you know, I mean, I know that it feels maybe like a weird question to ask, but actually it's it's totally relevant, I think, um, and, and spot on, actually, because, you know, I mean, one of the things that the founders, uh, Angie and Shanika, they, you know, they were like, well, you know, maybe this will work here and, you know, maybe we can capitalize on this revolutionary spirit, I guess, you know, make roller derby work here. I do think that a lot of people... Like I said, like this radio show, for example, that Sara was on, um, the the announcer, the host, he was he was sort of saying he was saying things along the lines of, you know, we're we're in a new Egypt, we're in a new era in Egypt, and uh, this is a new sport for women to try, and and I mean, there's also, I mean, coupled with that is it's it's a weird link, but you know that the previous regime was very restrictive, so a lot of street harassment and things like that was was less prevalent. Unfortunately, you know, since then, uh, street harassment has has gone up significantly. So the 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 radio host was kind of trying to make this link of, you know, this is a space for women with all the sort of street harassment that's been going on. Let's, you know, let's help each other create this space for women and and sort of create sort of a revolutionary activity in in Egypt so there is there is a link I mean there's definitely even if it's not uh, stated outright there's definitely I think a lot of people do feel you know this is something that can happen in the in the new Egypt which is quickly becoming the old Egypt but you know (laughs) what sort of feedback have you received from the radio broadcast in terms of uh, women saying that either tapped into something I all, I was already thinking or that really fired my enthusiasm. Did you get any feedback? Yeah, we got tons of... So even, you know, like I said, maybe six or seven women showed up after that radio broadcast, but so many more messaged us on our Facebook page. I think in on that day, we got about 200 new likes for our Facebook page. And it was mostly from people who had heard the broadcast and uh, wanted to see what this is about. And we got, you know, responses as well from young men and, uh, you know, interest in, in either doing a documentary on us or joining the team somehow and wanting to understand, you know, why men can't also play roller derby. But, you know, and we we've said, you know, well, you can be a referee or an unskating official, you know. Yeah, I think there was a lot of interest, even if no one really followed through but there was a lot of communication after that you know I know that mixed teams are quite a rarity anyway from having spoken to other people and obviously the revival of roller derby from a late 90s early 2000s has been heavily female dominated is it possible that there could be a mixed team in Egypt or is that perhaps just maybe a step a step too far uh in some ways it might be a step too far because there is, I mean, our coach, one of our coaches is is a man. We have a lot of supporters who are men, whether they're our partners or just friends. When one, one of these veiled uh, women showed up to try on skates and see if she wanted to join the team, one of our supporters was kind of holding her arm and skating her around the track and things like that. He was very concerned that, you know, okay, is it, is it, you know, is it okay that he's touching her and... You know, is, is she uncomfortable? Let's make sure that she's not uncomfortable. 
you know, and I think she was fine because I think she was looking at it as he's a coach or he's a trainer. It's in that context, it's okay for him to touch me. You know, this is not a forbidden kind of contact, you know, or whatever. But having said that, I think we will consciously try to keep it a women's only sport because, you know, once we make it a mixed thing, then I think we're worried that we'll lose that you know, that creation, the the comfort zone or the, the women's zone that we've tried to kind of create a place for women in Egypt, athletically speaking. So sorry, sorry to the lads, but I think, I think we're, we're going to sort of uh, discriminate <laughs> uh, for, for, for the time being, at least. Yeah, yeah. You talked about uh, having a place for women. Can you tell me about that generally? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because um, me personally, I'm, uh, I've am i always been a bit of a tomboy. And, you know, growing up, I, I usually had maybe more male friends than female friends, you know, or anyway. But but I have found that I really do like the this creation of this female space. You know, I mean, I think... I, it's a different, I don't know, you get a sort of different kind of feedback, a different kind of vibe from it. So there are a lot of female spaces in Egypt, but it's, it's generally in more private spheres. So the nice thing about roller derby is that it's creating a female space for, you know, a space for women publicly. Practice venues are outdoors. Uh, one of them, the most recent place that we've been practicing consistently is is not only outdoors, but it's open to the street. So on the one hand, we do get, unfortunately, cat calls and things from crocs passing by. They'll slow down and kind of watch us. Our very first practice space was, although it wasn't open to the street, it was in a, a youth club. So you get a lot of youth, uh, they're playing football in the surrounding courts and they would, you know, they would kick a football accidentally you know, quote unquote, into our courts and, you know, just kind of get our attention. But it was it was a, a weird progression or it was an interesting progression. The first week they were all like staring and, you know, gaping at us. Then the second week they were kind of like fewer were staring and gaping at us. And then the third week when we were like falling and, you know, started hitting and things like that, then they were kind of like, you could tell that they were impressed. Uh, and then by the you know fourth week they kind of were like oh who cares you know they're just doing their you know so it was it was interesting like that and I think this you know this the place where we practice that's outdoor on the street other than the trucks passing by that are sort of like first time or it's first time to see that but again it's the surrounding courts are usually filled with young men playing football and they you know it was the same progression similar progression although they were less you know, from the from the from the start with them, we didn't actually face harassment, which is which was nice. They were just maybe a little bit curious, but then now it's kind of like, okay, well, it's it's those girls on their skates, and you know, no. So sorry, I don't think I answered your question, but it is it is nice. I mean, we have been creating a a space for women in public, which is which can be rare in 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 Egypt. So that is nice, yeah. Can you ever imagine a time when roller derby is played in, the, for instance, the Upper Nile or a part of Egypt outside Cairo? Yes and no. I mean, I can imagine it being played in Alexandria. You know, I think I think that is a. And there's actually been uh, one of our initial. You know, early on we had we tried to partner with this uh, company that does like brings in skateboarding gear into Egypt, and they 
have sort of a similar story, or we hope it's a similar story because we we don't know it. But like five or six years ago, there was relatively no sort of skateboarding environment in Egypt, and now there's about five thousand skateboarders across Egypt. And this company, Skate Impact, it was just two brothers who were into skateboarding, wanted to bring it to Egypt, and so they decided to start an an import company that imports the necessary gear and. They're based in Alexandria. This is why I brought them up. They're based in Alexandria. They have a lot of uh, actually young women skateboarders. So I could definitely see roller derby taking off in Alexandria. Could it happen in like Upper Egypt, like um, near Luxor and Aswan and those areas? I think it's less. I mean, it it could. I actually used to work uh, like up until a month ago was working in development. And one of the, like, where I worked, one of the programs that they had was basically trying to get young girls in Upper Egypt involved in sport. And there is a soccer camp that has been set up in, I'm not sure which Upper Egyptian city, but uh, sort of a rural town to get young women into football. So the issue isn't so much with the sport, it's with the public nature of it. Like, in order to get these young girls involved in these kinds of sports in these areas that we're talking about uh, they had to create sort of private play areas or segregate the times so you know boys play from two to four girls play from four to six whatever you know um, so yes it could potentially spread although again the, the it's the issue of the gear and how expensive it is and things like that but it would have it would be kind of in a very particular environment, I think, or in a, done in a very particular way. Public matches, public bouts, or you know, or with f- for for spectators. What would the dress code be, or is that is that possible with a mixed audience? Like what we wear? Yeah, what would you wear basically if you had? Because I went to, I went to a Glasgow Newcastle match two weeks ago, and you know that was that was fascinating, and I loved. Um, the music, the high fiving everyone, the the spontaneous dancing that was breaking out everywhere, that was great. The players they were just wearing shorts or leggings and t-shirts. What would the dress code be for in in Egypt? Well, at our bout actually, we did have, I mean, like again, our founders they're American. It's we basically have ha- have taken the attitude of do what you're comfortable with. So our, our one of our co-founders, she was wearing short shorts and fishnet stockings. And that was that. And it's just, you know, we, we did go through a lot of this in the beginning where, okay, w- well, what are we going to wear? Are we going to kowtow to, or however you say that word, public opinion? Is everyone just going to do what they feel comfortable with and not worry about the overall safety of the team? You know, I mean, because we were worried that this would be a safety, you know, general safety issue and I think we kind of decided let's not go completely overboard but everyone do what they feel comfortable with I had on like leggings and a short skirt but you know they're you know I mean everyone sort of just did whatever made them comfortable how would you all dress in front of spectators if it was a public thing or was that public yeah no it was a public mixed sex belt again like it was our first bout so probably most of the audience was friends or friends of friends you know so people who had some idea of what it was and some idea of what to expect but yeah you know there were there were some like veiled women in the crowd you know I mean it, you know it wasn't 
I mean, that's not really an indication of how conservative they are or whatever, but, you know, I mean, it's just, but, uh, you know, I mean, there was, it was, it was, it was a mixed audience, mixed sex and mixed sort of community, I guess. Did you do all the, the high fives, you know, skating around everyone? Yes, we did. <laughs> we, we did. We had our skate out song. It was, uh, so basically we played against each other because, uh, you know, we, we weren't able to get anyone from abroad and it was our first match. So we were just like, let's just do this uh, as best as we can. So it was a black team versus the red team. Black, black team skated out to, is it ACDC? Back in black? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, you know, we, uh, we did the high fiving and the and sort of dancing around as we um uh, you know as we skated out and we ended our our skate out with a you know uh two knee fall but sort of a rock star you know air guitaring with you know <laughs> uh devil you know i mean so we we did all of that we did i mean we actually we really tried to put on our first bout as it would be anywhere you know we had announcers I mean in Arabic and English they were very funny they were very sort of they were dressed kind of in like a punky kind of way we had the skate out we had a halftime show the local like an Egyptian duet but they're kind of a satirical uh, guitar duet they they sing like kind of political satirical songs we had suicide seats which you know which is funny because uh, for me that was that was kind of the thing that I was like no Egyptian is going to sit in these seats but they did you know so during the first break between the the first and second period we kind of reminded people about the suicide seats and we found that people were coming and sitting down and actually someone got a great shot of me skating into their camera (laughs) like a video clip of me kind of skating into their camera um why didn't you think an Egyptian would sit in the suicide seats? I, I maybe it's just a horrible, you know, personal prejudice on my part. But I was just thought, you know, they're not going to put themselves in that kind of danger. You know, if they're not playing, then they're not going to play. I don't know. So, because one of my closest friends, um, she. Uh, Egyptian mother of two where she's like you know I went and sat in the suicide seats because I thought this is the closest I'll ever get to actually playing so but yeah we had you know and there there was uh, cheering and you know people making banners and if money was no object and in an ideal world who would you want to play tomorrow if you could go anywhere to to play another team that is an interesting question. I don't want to offend anyone. No, <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Well, there is. I mean, there's a there's a team in Dubai that started up uh, a few months after we did. So it would be interesting to play them. They're actually, uh, I, you know, I'll be very honest that the, we have re- recently been contacted by the South, Af- like the South African Roller Derby League, to attend a training camp. They want to do like an African Middle East training camp in South Africa. So I think that would be absolute. I mean, I would love to go to the training camp. So let's say I would love to go to the training camp and I would love to play play them. Maybe that would be the sort of the ideal um, at this point. Because I don't think we're ready for for Europe. <laughs> um, or maybe not. Maybe it would be fine. But Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure it would. Because that was the, the thing. Again, I, I keep going on about it that I noticed at this uh, Glasgow-Newcastle match was... It was the Glasgow B team playing Newcastle's A team because Glasgow's just a better club. But it was so uh, um, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Inclusive and inc- everyone was encouraging everyone else. And then t- uh, at halftime, the, t- you know, the opposite team members were just skating around, chatting away to each other. So I, I, I would have thought it would be a, an extremely supportive. In fact, almost the bigger the step up, the more supportive you're 
hosts and such would be. No, and it, you know what? It's absolutely true. It's 100% true, actually, because so, you know, gear is very difficult. Well, you can't buy gear in Egypt. We have had gear donated from London, from Sweden, from Norway. Um, and it's just people that, you know, heard about our team, heard that we were having problem with gear and they were like, okay, let's just get together a gear drive. Um, and then one of our players, uh, she's from Sweden. So, she, you know, the next time she was back in Sweden, she went and picked it up, brought it to Cairo. I was in, I was in, I actually played um, with uh, Aldriki. Uh, or practice. I practiced with them um, in in March because I was in Scotland for a wedding, and then I went to one of their practices. They were very like they were just they were so. I mean, it was with their I assume not even their B team. It was like their intermediate. Like they kind of, it was just a practice, you know. And they they were but they were really enthusiastic. And I brought them like stickers, and they just thought it was like the greatest thing ever. They're like, oh, it's, you're the best visitor, you know. And they were just really supportive, really encouraging. And the trainer who was running the the training uh, was actually from, you know, their their A team, I guess. And she had played against and traded shirts with. So there's like a a shirt trading after matches, I guess, um, with our our co-founder who had played with London. So she it was I was kind of like, oh, I was told to find uh, Moby Quick. And tell her that uh, Indy says hi. And she said, I'm Moby Quick, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> so it was kind of, it was a nice little coincidence. But and, anyway, I mean, that's, that is one of, absolutely one of the best things about roller derby is it's, it is very inclusive. We've had a lot of support internationally, but even, you know, internally, like I said, you know, when, when these um, veiled girls were like, can we play? Where it was, you know, it wasn't even hesitation or question. It was absolutely anyone can play. Any body type, any walk of life, any whatever, you know, just all that we ask is that you be dedicated and interested in playing, you know, interested in continuing. I think it's a sport that lends itself to alter ego through the names and the the, the dress and stuff. Have Is that something you've personally experienced or something you've observed in other people? that they can be someone else when they're playing roller derby. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely have personally experienced it. And, and I know the other people on the team did as well. One of our players who was one of the, I think I mentioned her last time, she she had never even skated before. And, and you know, we taught her from from skating to how to play the game and everything. And, you know, she played in the in, in the game, in the bouts. She's a very girly girl, you know. She was the only one who would always have her nails, you know, perfectly manicured and, you know. So she, you know, and she admitted that, like, this makes her feel more tough, you know. She stands up for herself uh, more. So, I mean, it, she had her derby alter ego, but I think that also kind of sort of fed back into her daily life personality as well. But yeah, I mean, definitely on the on the track, you know, you if you were to see her walking up, you would think, oh god, you know, she can't take a hit or she wouldn't, you know. But no, she would she would fall and she would get back up and she would keep going and she would she would get angry. Like she's a very sweet, she's a kindergarten teacher, <laughs> but so you know, initially she would kind of maybe hold in her anger, but eventually on the track she would get angry and she would show it and she would just be like, this is what I need to do, leave me alone. And let's play, you know, so it kind of, uh, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, worked out for her <laughs> nicely. Uh, for me personally as well, 
I'm not really, I'm a very, you know, I'm not a very like flamboyant dresser or whatever, but, you know, during the bows, I kind of did the eye, you know, the makeup and the face paint and all this stuff and came off as much more tough than, than I normally am, I guess. You know? Did that come out only when you had started playing roller derby or did you spot that that was a, uh, a sport that would allow that aspect of yourself you were already aware of to, to be brought more to the fore? Uh, for me, it actually came out only when I started playing and actually quite a, quite a while after I started playing, you know, like when I first started, actually, whenever I would hit someone or, you know, trip someone or whatever, you know, uh, I would apologize to the point that everyone, like my coaches were kind of saying, okay, you are not allowed to apologize. This is your task for this practice. You are not allowed to apologize, you know. So it definitely took me a while to kind of find that tougher alter ego and just accept that this is who I am when I play so yeah for me it was definitely you know finding it during the game I think maybe for for Nadi who had mentioned before I, I I recall her saying that that was actually something that had attracted her about roller derbies that she could be this completely different version of herself so maybe for her she, that's part of why she went into it does roller derby build confidence and then if so how does that manifest itself in, in other aspects of your, your life? Absolutely, is the, is the short answer to your question. Like, not even, you know, 100%. Um, I mean, for me personally, from, uh, well, for the first example is, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger girl. I used to be actually, you know, much thinner than I am now, but anyway, as I am now, I'm you know, much bigger. I am the blocker. You know, I am the girl in the back who's <laughs> the first line of defense. And, uh, you know, this definitely got me to accept my current body type much more, you know, where it's like, this is actually very beneficial. This is something to be respected. One time in practice, the coach was like, I need my two biggest booties to be here now. And I, you know, very proudly was like, well, that's me. I don't know who else is going to come up, but it's definitely me. You know? <laughs> so in terms of body image and things like that, it definitely builds confidence. And I think, you know, for the smaller girls who would maybe not feel so tough or whatever, but they're fast, they're wiry, they can move, they can bounce back quickly, that would also have the same effect for them. In terms of other aspects, you know, I um, I volunteered at some point for a group called Operation Anti-Sexual Harassment, which would go into Tahrir during protests to help protect uh, women protesters from any sexual harassment that might happen. And they had been around for a while, but it wasn't until sort of after I had built my own like confidence in my ability to be physical and, and stand up for myself, I guess, that I also started volunteering for the group and you know so that definitely gave me um hopefully confidence but not you know not to the point of stupidity where I would like put myself into situations but definitely enough to say look I've I've knocked down my friends and people I like you know this you know I, I definitely feel more comfortable to stand up for myself if someone if someone is trying to harass me or someone you know harass another woman that's great could would you have had the confidence to do that if you hadn't done roller derby? I don't think I would have. I think I'd like to think that I wouldn't, but I don't think I actually would have. Uh, you know, there's something about falling or taking a hit that you never thought you could take and then being able to get back up 
you know, experiencing pain that you didn't expect and being able to get over it quickly, that just, it does something, you know, inside your head. Um, and I, I think it does eliminate, you know, fears that we might just naturally have once you've experienced something and you think, oh, well, that wasn't as bad as I had made it. Then you can go on to do a lot, a lot of other. It strikes me as a sport that is played by a lot of people who perhaps didn't used to like sport or perhaps were a little bit uncertain about sports beforehand, whether it was from a confidence point of view or a physical ability point of view. Is is that something you've come across? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I actually was surprised to find that our two co-founders prior to World Derby had never played organized sports, both of them. I thought that was really, you know, I mean, the, like, indeed you know as a runner you know but otherwise she said i've never been into sports um and same with naughty and it actually turned out that you know myself and maybe two other players are the only ones who had grown up playing organized sports and being on teams and things like that before you know so which i found really surprising because it is a, it's a very you know i mean it requires stamina it requires endurance um it, it requires you know, some type of physical agility, but you learn it, you know, you learn it and you pick it up and, you know, you have fun doing it. So I did find it surprising when I found out that most people had not ever been on a team before or played sports with any regularity growing up. And then this is something that they kind of picked up um, at an older age, which again is another, you know, going back to the confidence thing, you know, it's definitely a confidence booster in that you think you're at a certain age or a certain stage in life or, a certain type of person and then you find that you can do this you know that definitely is an added bit of confidence really want to ask you about the names the the, the, the players names you're no fear tt great great playing words uh, I, i've heard loads of other good ones but what are the what are the player names in the kai rollers and um you know can you just give me some examples yeah well the, okay so our two co-founders are not even close not even close and her number is to me, so not even close to me. The other co-founder grew up in Indiana, so her derby name is Indiana 500. There we have Miley Papyrus, Farrell Fawcett, Hatchet Suit, Kilopatra. Uh, oh, uh, well, this is sort of one that makes more sense in Arabic. Ana Musiba, uh, which just means I'm a disaster. <laughs> I think most of them, uh, most of them have been registered. Some like Cleopatra turns out exists somewhere else so she might have to work on another name although it didn't exist when she chose the name because we did we all went to the you know the register and checked if these names were there i'm trying to think we had yeah we had quite a few good names oh um one of our uh, players is um is a like a, a musician so her name is frenzy mercury i think the initial group so the initial group was about 6 six people um and they all tried to have names that were with the exception of the co-founders because they already had their names but uh that were sort of egypt related or egypt based or or whatever so that's where you get a lot of these plays on ancient egyptian or you know modern egyptian themed things and at that point the line to cairo dropped We'd like to say a big thank you to No Fear Teddy for taking the time to speak to us.